0: All right, we'll be in Acts chapter 4 tonight, as we continue going through this book on Sunday nights. Acts chapter 4, as a reminder, in chapter 3, the crippled beggar who had never walked a day in his life has been healed. He's now walking and leaping and praising God. It's causing a great stir, as you can imagine, this... Large crowd begins to gather at Solomon's porch to see this man uh, making a scene. I love that picture. Uh, amen. All right, bunch of good Baptists tonight. And um, Peter, he takes advantage of the opportunity and he preaches Christ, his resurrection, and that angered the Sadducees. So they rush in, they put an end to it, they arrest Peter and John, they spend a night in jail. Meanwhile depending on how one would read the end of verse 4 another 2 to 5000 people are uh, saved because the word of the, the word of God is not bound. Amen. You can lock up God's servants but you can't lock up his word. Well, the next day Peter and John are brought before the the council, very powerful group, in fact, the most powerful group in Israel outside of the Romans. And Peter Preaches Christ yet again. Preaches the resurrection again. And he made it clear to them, you can't be saved without Christ. The council, they confer among themselves. They decide the best course of action would be just to threaten these men. They don't want to do much more than that at this point. And so they command them, you can't speak in the name of Jesus. Well, that's a problem for a Christian Peter and John reply back, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. Well, the council threatens them further. <laughs> no, 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 we really mean it. I've always wondered what that means there. But um, they threatened them further. But ultimately they let them go because they feared the people. They wanted their status and all the rest. And... It's also mentioning in here that no one could deny what had taken place. Uh, All people in Jerusalem, it says, were glorifying God for what had taken place. And we saw last time in the beginning of verse 23 that when they were released, they went to their own company. And we just kind of parked it there for the rest of the sermon. Uh, They went back to their own kind. They went to the church folks. Birds of a feather flocked together. And we considered the question, where do you go? Who do you consider to be your own company? Where do you go when the going gets tough? Because when the pressure mounts, you're always going to find yourself going to your own company. And this will reveal where you've rooted yourself. You'll know your company by where you go, who you turn to, or what you turn to. You'll see where your dependence lies. You'll see where your weaknesses are. And sometimes you'll see where your strengths are. When the pressure mounts, do you find yourself gravitating to the people of God and the house of God? Do you find yourself in the company of God's people or the world's people? Do you retreat to God's Word? Do you find yourself in the company of God while in His Word? We said this last time, according to 1 John 2.19, those who leave this company for the world were never of us to begin with. That's not my opinion. And I know people can backslide. But the fact is, some were never here to begin with. They were really always on the outside. 1 John 2.19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. So where do you go? Who is your own company? Where you go and what you turn to when the going gets tough reveals your company and where your heart is at. And I still marvel at the number of professed believers who stay out of church when the pressure mounts. And so many people withdraw themselves. And that's not of God. Well, this brings us to where we left off. Let's begin reading in verse 23. I'll decide how far we go here. Well, we'll go through verse 31, right? That sounds good. And being let go, they went to their own company and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers who uh, were gathered, excuse me, and where are we at here? And the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth, against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. That's all of us. Amen. You can't just blame Israel. The Gentiles were involved, amen, and it was also Pilate, we know, the uh, Roman governor in Herod. They were gathered together for to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus." And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. As we've already covered, even in my intro, they went to their own company. And in recognition of our theme this year, we could say they continued steadfastly. The Christian life is successful and profitable to God and Christ honoring when we are consistent and faithful to do what we know to be doing. This early church was not a great church because they had perfect people. But they were a great church because they continued steadfastly. In what? The apostles' doctrine. In the breaking of bread of those things that we saw at the end of chapter 2. They understood the greatness of our God. How worthy He is of their faithfulness. And they stayed unified around this truth. They had bumps in the road. We'll see this later on in this book. They had some internal disputing they had to deal with. They had two who decided to lie to the Holy Ghost. That didn't end too well. In fact, people said, I don't know about joining that church. We'll we'll get to that later. They faced oppositions, they had persecutions. But they loved God. They loved His Word. They loved God's people. They magnified Christ. They stayed faithful to lift up Christ. And if we'll do this, we'll be blessed. I appreciate what Brother Woodcock said last week when he said, Stay small. He wasn't saying, Don't grow. He was saying, You let Christ be the center of this. Don't get puffed up and think you're something. Stay small. That's what John the Baptist said. He must increase, but I must decrease. I must. He must. It's a requirement. That's the only way to be effective and blessed. Some like to say, I'm of Paul and I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas. Paul wrote, who then is Paul and who is Apollos but ministers? We're nothing but servants, is what he said. Neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth. But God giveth the increase. For we are labors together with God. Christ is the head of this body. Why? That He might have the preeminence in all things. And we have to continue steadfastly in this truth. In the rest of verse 23, we see that they reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. I don't want you to miss the importance of the local church in all of this. They returned to their own company. They drew near to fellow believers. The pressures mounted, they came to church. This is what church is. Being assembled together isn't a box that we check to appease our God. But we gather together as a church as a rallying point so that we can get ready to go back out into the world and do it all over again this week. And so we gather together so that we can be fed and and we can be stirred and, and we can be challenged and we can go back out there and face that world of opposition yet again. We, we meet together to report. That's what they're doing. We meet together to bear one another's burdens. We meet together to be strengthened. We meet together to praise God. We get fed here. At least I hope you are. And, and we meet together to give to God. You say, man, where do I give around here? Y'all haven't passed the plate since COVID. You can just throw it in the box back there, Amen say, boy, did your offerings go down when you went to the box? They went up. It does appear to be more biblical, but anyway. You see, we we, we come here for all these things, and then we go back out there, and we get right back at it. This isn't all the Christian life is. Those who claim they don't need church either don't know God, Or they just don't know their Bible. And yet, I I know people in this fellowship. Well, you know, I'm saved. What in the world do I need church for? Listen, church is vital. You say, how vital is it? Vital enough that Jesus bled and died for it. And we have the audacity to... Suggest that it's not that important. We need the church; the church doesn't need us. Now, understand what I'm saying. We we know they go hand in hand, but you understand what I mean, I'm sure. God's church is going to march on with or without Liberty Baptist Tabernacle, Amen. and if we decide this isn't important enough to stay with it, He'll raise up people that will. He will always have His faithful remnant can I tell you that church needs to be at the very center of your camp. Amen. But so many have their reasons, which they feel are more, than, more important than meeting with God in His house. I know life happens. There's difficult work schedules. All those things. But don't let the world's entertainments trump your gathering together with the people of God. Do you want to be blessed? Do you want to continue steadfastly? Then make church a priority. See it as the need it is in your life. Psalm 84 verses 1 through 4. How amiable are thy tabernacles. O Lord of hosts, my soul longeth. Yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found an house and the swallows a nest for herself where she may lay her young, even thine altars. Well, what's the big deal about the altars? Raise your children at the altar. Yeah. O Lord of hosts, my king and my God, blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will still be praising thee, Selah. Psalm 92, verses 12 and 13. The righteous shall flourish like the palm tree, and he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. <laughs> I could preach right here all night. And don't think I won't. I did about a 30-week series on the church once. We'll bring her back up. Amen. Amen. You say, preacher, why are you so passionate about the church? Two reasons. One, when I finally got my act together and started to attend church regularly, like I should have been doing all along, it literally changed my life. Amen. Amen. Number two, once I started walking with God, I realized his word said all along, yeah. that's, where you're to, that's where you're supposed to be, that's where you're supposed to be. It's a requirement according to God. So Peter and John, they felt the pressures of ministry. They've been persecuted and locked up. They've been commanded not to speak in the name of Jesus. They've been threatened with even even greater punishment. And they don't go run and hide. They return to the company of their own church where Christ is at the very center of their conversation. Don't talk about Christ. Well, you can decide what you're going to do, but as for, you know, as for me and my house, this is what we're doing. And so they go to church. What are they talking about? Christ. Sorry, Adrian. I didn't mean to embarrass you, honey. Um, <laughs> and, and so here they are. They're being told not to speak in Christ's name. Peter and John say, we can't help it. and immediately they go to where they are going to talk about Christ. Man, I love this. I love this. I should have preached this in 2020. (laughs) Governmental pressures were were not going to keep them from obeying God. This is the most powerful group in Judea that they're before, but they keep their eyes on God. And they're going to get right back out there preaching the very message they've been told Don't preach it. I love this when we get to chapter 5. We're not going to get into tonight, but do you know where we find them in chapter 5? Verse 12 says, They were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. (laughs) I love it. That's where they were arrested, that's where they were preaching the resurrection. And where are they camping out? Solomon's porch. What are they doing? preaching the resurrection. Not only do they get back at it, but but they go right to the very spot they were arrested. I mean, you talk about a church in action. Well, once they reported to their church all that happened and what was said to them, we begin to see the reaction of this church in the beginning of verse 24. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. So what does a church in action do? They turn to God in prayer. And we see that they did so with one accord. They're of one mind. They are unanimously agreed. And for a church to be greatly used of God and for God, they must be in one accord. They have to be unified. This is now a trend in this church. In chapter 1, we read these all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. In the beginning of chapter 2, they were all with one accord in one place. At the end of chapter 2, they continuing daily with one accord in the temple. And we see it again here in chapter 4, and I just read from Acts 5, 12, they're in one accord yet again. This church was unified, and they're making a huge impact in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. They are either 5,000 or 8,000 strong. That would not have been the case if they were not unified. I don't think I could ever overemphasize the importance of unity of a church body. Paul asked in 1 Corinthians 13, is Christ divided? And he wrote in 1 Corinthians 12.25 that there should be no schism in the body. 1 Corinthians 1.10, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that ye all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that ye be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Psalm 133, and verse 1, Behold, how good and how pleasant is it for brethren to dwell together in unity. And if we want to be effective as a church body, we have to be unified. A house divided against itself cannot stand. And all the churches that I'm aware of, that I've ever seen or known, that have dried up or have shut their doors altogether, they did so because there were some internal issues that they were dealing with or not dealing with. And they ended up fighting inside, rather than fighting the good fight outside. Yeah, yeah. And since we're on the topic of being of one accord, I want to use this opportunity to say to our church, uh, we're always under attack. Yeah. Amen. A lot of it you don't see. Yeah. But we are, in various directions. Some from without, let me rephrase, very few from without. Almost all of them are from within. And, and this is nothing new. Most of them will never come to your attention. God has been very good to our church. Amen. We are witnessing some wonderful blessings. Amen. But where God is at work, Satan is on the attack. Amen. And sure enough, there are some issues right now. Our enemy's goal is to sow discord and divide us. Yeah. Satan knows that a church not of one accord is his playground. And the timing's not a coincidence. We see this happen routinely, most commonly around family camp and anniversary days. Yeah. And guess where we're at? We're heading right into anniversary days. Yeah. And, and the enemy wants to disrupt... The blessings that God has in store for us by causing division, sowing discord, and all kind of issues. But there's something about this time around where I'm almost embarrassed for our church. Leonard Ravenhill said in his day, I'm embarrassed to be a part of the church of Jesus Christ, which is so totally, radically different from the New Testament. So impoverished, so blind, so powerless. The longer I serve God, the more I understand what He was saying. There are several things I could bring up on several different fronts. I have no intention to get specific, amen? I'll trust the Holy Ghost knows right where to shoot. But I'm telling you tonight, we've got issues. And I mean serious issues. We haven't landed on this text by accident. Nor is it an accident the preacher we originally had scheduled tonight couldn't be here. I want to be your pastor for just a moment. And I hope no one will get offended. And I pray you'll hear my heart. I'm just taking my role here seriously. I'm simply obeying God. Trust me, this was not on my to-do list. (laughs) I love how people think, you know. I, I really developed the standards just to aggravate people. That's that's not what I do, amen. I I did it because Ken said this is what needs to be done. So I'm simply obeying God, and I hope you'll do the same. Sometimes it's not easy to do what needs to be done. And I hope you understand I'm trying to fulfill the more difficult part of my calling tonight. It'd be much easier to fake a smile, tickle your ears, I go home and have popcorn and sweet tea, Well, I'm doing that anyway, but um, the popcorn and sweet tea part. Unfortunately, I've come to learn how most people don't mind a pastor until he tries to pastor. See, a lot of you, you like the preaching, but you don't want somebody telling you what to do. And if you get mad at this, then you have three options. You can get right with God. You can leave the church that God's led you to. Like my dad would say, you can get mad or you can get over it or die mad one. Three, you can fire me, which is what you'd have to do. I have no intentions of leaving. So what are some issues I'm seeing right now? And he that hath ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to this church. We've got those that can't decide if they want to be all in or not. Is church important? Is this your church? Are these convictions yours? Am I your pastor? Well, so long as we agree with you, you are. We've got those who think they can lead ministries better than others. Well, I think you should do it this way. I don't like the way you do this. Here's how we did things. And it was so much better. Well, I don't think this person should be allowed to fill in the blank. We've actually got some, they know they're more talented than others. So they want to be used in a specific ministry. We've got some who don't want to submit to authority or our standards. We've got those who secretly hope particular people would just move on already. We've got those who only want to minister to a, su- a certain level of believer. You're too far gone, but you know what? I can work with you. We've got those who are overly sensitive, and you've got to walk on eggshells all the time. We've got those who are mad at other people's standards on both ends of the spectrum. We've got those who think this person is the problem. We've got those who want to be served but don't want to serve. I could go on and on. You say, well, aren't these these normal problems in a church? Yeah, that's my point. Name me one place in America right now where we know for sure revival is taking place. You know why? Because all of this junk goes on. And trust me, I could list a lot more. But it looks like God is blessing I believe he is. Can you imagine what God could do with us if we would just get our hearts right? Seriously, I mean, can you imagine if we were of one accord? I've said recently how much of what we see here is a facade. See, but we're growing. Yeah, Rapid City is growing. When's the last time we had somebody come off the streets, get say, get baptized, disciple, and go do the same? We know how to put on a church service. But there's no doubt in my mind why we are not seeing revival. And sometimes it honestly makes me wonder why I even bother to prepare. Why study and preach my heart out week after week? And I really struggled with this this week. I was about ready to throw in the towel and say, This is pointless. This is what church is. It's a joke, and I want nothing to do with it. There's times I just want to shake off the dust. You've heard me say it before, but one thing I've learned as a pastor is people are going to do what they want to do. It doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what the Bible says. You're going to do what you want to do. You've also heard me say how I'm not here to settle for mediocrity. I want our church to be a big part of what God wants to do in Rapid City. This isn't going to happen when there's disunity. No need for an answer. But where did we get this idea that church is supposed to be full of perfect people who have no issues? And that goes for our building as well. When did Christianity become all about you? You would say, uh, you don't believe this, but just as soon as something comes your way that crosses one of your lines, it's exactly how you act. You say you love sinners and you do so long as they are out there somewhere. But you don't act like you love them when it touches our church or your life personally in some way. And when it does, all of a sudden that love that we say we have flies out the window and we're ready to push people right out the door. A struggling sinner. It's like people forget that they still have a sin nature. I got a newsflash for you. You're not perfect. You're still facing battles. And some forget who they were before. They act like they've never struggled with pornography. I know it's getting real. They act like they've never slept around before. Pick the sin. But people get puffed up and they act like they never had to grow. When did it get to the point where everything has to be just right in our church? or to minister to others. There's some pride issues right now. And, and we need to get refocused on why we are here. Any other night, I could say, man, the church needs to be a hospital. We'll shout the roof down, amen. We need to mend the sinners and help those that are backslidden and help those that are hurting. But there are those in our church, they're under attack, and, and admittedly, they're losing the battle right now. But instead of treating them, you want to cast stones at them. Well, you just don't know, preacher. No, I do. I know far more about what's going on in this church than probably anybody else. And if you were honest with yourself, you would say you're not perfect either. Here's the fact. I I, I know... if we were to drop the screen right now and put your internet search history up here, you would be embarrassed and ashamed. Many of you. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. How do you do that? You look into the perfect law of liberty. And if you can look into God's Word and and you can say honestly that my hands are clean and my heart is pure, then you ought to be the Galatians 6 person. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man thinketh himself to be something, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. And so the problem is, we have some, they think they're spiritual, but they can't even reach out to help those in the spirit of meekness, but would rather castigate him. There came a day when the scribes and Pharisees brought a woman caught in the very act. Remember that? And they said to Jesus, Moses in the law commanded us that they should be stoned, but what sayest thou? They were just trying to get him in some kind of lie, some kind of you know, um, twist of his words and all that. Remember what Jesus did? He stooped down. And with his finger, he started writing on the ground. The Bible doesn't say what he wrote. And they, and they continued asking him, What sayest thou? And, and Jesus, he lifts himself up, and, and he looks at them again, and he says, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. That's right. And again, he stooped down, and he began to write again. And beginning with the eldest to the last, they began to leave one by one, all of her accusers. The the oldest will, will get it first. Well, I don't think we need to get into that. But they've been around the block. Eventually, only Jesus and the woman are left. And Jesus said, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. You say, but but how often are we supposed to keep doing this? Now hear me well, I'm not suggesting we should ever excuse sin. Or that it doesn't need to be dealt with. But don't get so puffed up in your pride that you forget how low you were when Christ raised you up. How many times has God forgiven you? You don't understand. It's not like this. It still put Christ on the cross. Don't you love the end of Ephesians 4? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying. What does that mean? Build people up. Why? That it may minister grace unto the hearers didn't say beat them down. He said show some grace. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God whereby ye are sealed until the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. I know God is good to us, but I'm here to tell you tonight God wants to do so much more through Liberty Baptist Tabernacle. Some of you can sense it. You know it. You you know that we're on the cusp of God doing a great work among us. We have to resist the devil so that he will flee and then draw near to God so that he will draw near to us. And we have to stop playing games. Stop seeing other people as so much worse than you. Don't forget what you were once. And and listen, these poor kids today are growing up with such temptations that you and I never had to deal with. Could you imagine if you had the internet when you were a kid? Lord have mercy. Let's remember, we, we are all here to minister to one another. Not just those we feel like ministering to. Stop thinking everything needs to be just so. Listen, ministry is being with the sheep. And sheep are dirty and stinky. And if you're going to minister to people, you're going to get dirty and stinky with them. Not sinning. You're just going to be, in the, you're going to be there with them. Now, I understand there's times you've got to break a sheep's leg to keep it from wandering away. We'll deal with sin. But you know what happens after the leg is broken? The shepherd doesn't just go toss the thing over the cliff. He carries it in his arms. Amen. And he nurses it and he heals it. He, or he, he takes care of it until it can walk on its own again. So I hope you know my heart. All I'm trying to do tonight is stoop down and write in the sand. I don't know if God's giving you something to read in your eyes and your heart. But if you need to talk with God, then you should do so. If God is going to take this church to the next level, then we need to get our hearts right. We need to lose pride and we need to minister with people with all of their baggage. You say, I'm getting tired of doing it. How many times do you expect me to keep ministering to this person? As many times as they are willing to listen. Listen. Jesus said, you forgive them 70 times 7. You say, why is that so important? Because Jesus said, if you forgive them, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive them, He will not forgive you. So tonight is a gut check. This is a call for unity in our church. Unity around Christ is the key to great spiritual blessings that if we we had time, we would see. Long story short, God answered their prayer. They had boldness and they spoke the word. We'll get to that next time. But for tonight, you do business with God. Let's pray.